Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into another edition of the Gigam 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined as always by Carter Carls. little therapy session today, a little preview of, of Tennessee. Uh, you know, we're going to review the Alabama game a little bit and then look ahead to the Aggies' upcoming trip to Knoxville. Carter, uh, welcome in and thanks for joining us. Thank you, sir. Um, I'm playing therapist today. I guess we're both, so... Uh... yeah. Yeah, uh, happy to join. I'll, I'll be in Knoxville this weekend, so hopefully uh, for everyone watching this, better result. Tough, tough loss for A and M this past week, and that's to to put it mildly a twenty six to twenty defeat to Alabama. Uh, first place in the SEC was on the line, um, and you know the first half of the game, for the most part, I think went how A and M would have wanted it to go. They entered a break leading seventeen to ten. But it was Alabama that completely dominated the second half, outscored A and M sixteen to three, with A and M's points coming at the very end. You know, the Alabama's defensive line give them some credit, made some big plays. Uh, Jalen Milrow, who you know really stepped up to the plate and, and made some big down field throws to Caleb Burton, uh, and just you know kind of drove the the dagger into A and M fans' hearts with it, with a couple big time throws, but. Um, tough, tough result, and and one A and M needs to put in the rearview mirror quickly because you know Tennessee a, a, a tough trip's coming up next. Yeah, I mean, it, I want to first start with saying that the season isn't over. I mean, you win this weekend in Knoxville, then you have your off week. Your season looks much different. I mean, this there's a lot riding on this upcoming game, but. Yep. You come out with a win. You kind of end the road streak. You feel so much better about yourself. And, you know, hey, it's possible that Bama's the, you know, second best team in the SEC or going to be in the SEC championship game. And, 
you know, you, you went toe-to-toe with them, and, hey, you got your whole season in front of you. Who knows? Maybe they lose to LSU, and uh, maybe they lose to Tennessee. But at the same time, it's hard for me to sugarcoat what we saw last Saturday. Yeah. I, I just can't stress enough how much of a missed opportunity that game was. First of all, let's just start with, I don't know if you're ever going to be playing that bad of an Alabama team, or at least in recent history. I don't know if you've, if A&M has played that bad of an Alabama team. I say bad, uh, relative terms. I mean, they still are going to win 10 games, 10 plus games and all that. But in relative terms, that's as bad as Alabama team as you'll play. You're in front of the third largest crowd in Kyle Field history that really impacted the game. Alabama had 14 penalties. Nine of them occurred pre-snap. Alabama lost a turnover battle. Alabama ran for, let's see, 23 yards on 26 mm-hmm. carries. Um, and you went into halftime with a seven-point lead. And, I mean... All those you laid out, I mean, if, if you'd laid out some of that to me before the game, I'd say, oh, yeah, that's an A&M win. Yeah. So to lose that game, especially when you can pinpoint so many just, oh, if they just did this, if they just did that, whether it's decision-making, adjustments, plays that were decided by an inch. I mean, just even think about a punt that just barely lands into the end zone, right? Like just yeah. – Big, big, big plays that were an inch away from being a different result. There were so many of those you could look at, and that's why I think this this loss, you can't really sugarcoat it because A&M had every opportunity to win this game. They should have won the game, and they should be 3-0 in SEC West play right now. And if that had happened, you're likely looking at a team that's going to Atlanta this uh this December and probably not happening now. Again, whole season still in front of you. You can rebound, but it's going to be a challenge for this team to run the table. You still got Tennessee, Ole Miss, LSU, all three ranked teams on the road. Jimbo Fisher has not won a road game against a ranked opponent since 2016. Tennessee has the fourth longest home winning streak in college football. Uh, 12 games. And so, you know, stats, do they mean anything about the upcoming game? I, I don't know, but history would say that it's going to be very difficult for AM to win all three of those games. So that it just felt, it just, it was such a missed opportunity. At the same time, AM still has a chance to kind of right their wrongs. No doubt. I, I agree with you. And, and look, there were, there were positives from this game as well, right? Like the way that Edron Cooper played and the way he's been playing the past couple of weeks, he has been playing out of his mind and has taken kind of that leap that you hoped he would take this season and uh, deserves a ton of credit. The way this defensive line is playing, you felt really good about the way they're playing and what they were able to do to this Alabama defensive line. You know, those are those are major, major positives but you're not really talking about it this week because you fell short against Alabama. Right. And everybody's kind of looking at it now saying, okay, they're looking ahead to that road, that road schedule and, and, and trips to Tennessee trips to Ole Miss trips to LSU. I, I agree with you on what a win at Tennessee would mean to go into the bye at five and two, I think would kind of settle, 
some of that noise at least for a couple weeks and allow the staff to to kind of regroup, see what they need to do the second half of the year. I think you've got you've got very winnable games at home against South Carolina and Mississippi State, obviously. And so, you know, a lot of their goals are are out in front. I agree with you. I that's one of the things I had written down in this Alabama game too is the 14 penalties, the nine false starts, the you know, winning the turnover battle. But it's those little things, right? Like I, I think this this we have to talk too about the special teams factor in this. You know, you have you have some 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 nice returns here and there by by Anai Smith. We obviously saw that in the Arkansas game, but they have got to get the field goal, you know, mechanics yeah. figured out because the the block kick that's three points. That if you have that back at the end of the game, that changes a lot um, in in what you can do, what you're playing. and and it's not the first time they've had other issues with field goal being blocked and and that being a huge swing in the game not just this year but in, in past years too you look at that mississippi state game last year that was a huge yeah. swing in that game was the the block field goal return and, and a&m is actually lucky that you know alabama committed a penalty on that play and and brought the brought the touchdown back otherwise you're looking at an even bigger hole to climb out of so i do think a&m just you know it's some of those little things right like being able to convert a third and short or you know, not having a field goal block. Uh, you know, I I think they're they're just, but but they've been there before, and they they this game would have meant so much to kind of take that next step because A and M entered this game sitting at four and one. If you're sitting at five and one in control of your own destiny in the SEC West, that would have been huge for this program. Instead, you're back talking about Jimbo Fisher and the offense and the offensive line and and. You're talking that during a week that you've got to head to Knoxville, which is a really, really difficult place to play, and we'll get to that in a little bit as well. Yeah, and, you know, I want to call a spade a spade here. I feel like the coaching really got in the way, and it and it yeah. has for part of the season. I mean, first of all, I think at the beginning of the season, we saw some guys playing that, you know, and starting that I don't know – should have been playing or starting. It was. It, they felt. It felt like they were playing the wrong guys at certain positions. And then, yeah. you know, they head to Miami, and the adjustments just weren't there. They, they did that cornerback blitz thing, and you know, they eventually figured it out. But it, by the time they did, it was too late. And uh, Connor Wigman was pressured on more dropbacks in that game than any quarterback in the country has been pressured in a game this season. Uh, and then. You know, they figure things out against Arkansas, Auburn, and, and ULM, but you're thinking, well, these teams are terrible. Like, let's see them against a good competition. Now, I don't want to totally minimize what they did in those games because, hey, 14 sacks in two games, an SEC play, I don't care if you're playing Rice and UAB, 14 sacks in two games is freaking bananas. And this pass rush is legit. This linebacking core is legit. Um what have we been saying? This secondary is a real problem, and it's yeah. not just number twenty-eight on the island, but <clears throat> you know it's other it's other players in that back end too. And when we talk about adjustments, there was a few ones that I, I never really made sense to me. Uh, you know, we talked to Layden Robinson on Monday. He said, "Yeah, Bama did a great job adjusting. We kind of did the same thing in the second half that we did in the first half." Um, you know, yep. 
the offense, first of all, just had no answer for, for Alabama's, you know, pressures. And uh, it just felt like Max Johnson, it was only a matter of time before he either got hurt or, or rattled because yeah. he was taking so many hits and you just felt like, man, maybe they should do some quick game here. Like Alabama did it, it, to begin the second half. And it just never happened. You had these slow developing passing plays. It, it, it didn't seem like he had many safe outs. Um, and, you know, I think Max Johnson deserves some of the blame for holding the ball too long and maybe not hitting some open guys. Um but, you know, you had Chase Basanis at right tackle, who's really struggled this year, and you've continued to ride him. Bryce Foster at center has really struggled. You've continued to, to roll with him. On the defense side of the ball, uh, they rode to Barry until, you know, fourth quarter, and they just finally said, man, we got to replace this guy. Um, but mm-hmm. with the Barry, the thing with him was uh, I felt like they did him a disservice as far as not giving him enough safety help. It yeah. just felt like he was on an island the entire game. And, you know, the pass rush was incredible in the first half. But in the second half, it kind of – it was really good at some times, and it was non-existent other times. And those pivotal third-down situations, those third and longs, you know, they only converted four or 12 third, uh, third downs. But they all four of them came in, like, very critical down-a-distance uh, situations. And so, um, you know – it's not just game management stuff. It's adjustments that they failed to do. And then yeah. game management, I mean, I can kind of be convinced about one or two of them. Uh, you know, you can you can convince me, hey, you know, pin them deep in their territory, uh, punting on fourth and six kind of thing, um, or, oh, got to take a timeout in this situation. You know, but when you lump them all together, it's like, oh, my gosh, it was so conservative. And when you're playing a team like Alabama, you got to go for it at some point. And I just felt like after they didn't convert that fourth and one on the first drive of the game, it's almost like they lost all confidence in their ability to either, you know, get a first down in short yardage situations, but also taking chances. They just didn't take enough chances and – we don't have to go into all of them. I mean, I don't know if you, if you want to. Yeah, but it's just I was, overall too conservative. The one I was going to say is I I think the the one that there's there seems to be a lot of question about too, and um, you know was was the strategy before halftime. And I can, in a way, I wonder if it kind of goes back to what happened the previous year against Alabama, where they had that late drive in the second quarter, and then you know, Haynes King throws an interception right before halftime and that's a momentum swing going back Alabama's way. I wonder how much that was in his mind thinking, okay, we've got a 17 to 10 lead. What we can't afford to have happen is exactly what happened with Haynes King last year. And that gives kind of Alabama that momentum heading into the second half. You know, know, some of them, go ahead. Uh, what that made me think of was I was like, they don't have Haynes King at quarterback. (laughs) That's all all I was going to say. I and but it, it's one of those things. I mean, you saw Mac Johnson make a mistake in a big moment in the second half, and it's that's they, they were just those opportunities there, right? Like Bryce Anderson gets the pick on Jalen Milrow, and then you give it right back to Alabama um, right after that. You know, the Edron Cooper hit where it jarred it loose from from Jalen Milrow and and Aiden, you know, 
is kind of around and and it's just those missed opportunities that you're just thinking man if they had gotten a couple of those this game probably turns out different but they didn't so you know now they've got to kind of rebound they've got to kind of refocus because the the challenge coming up next might you know is 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 arguably just as tough with given the road the road woes we're going to talk about the the fact that Tennessee has been darn near unbeatable at home under under uh, Josh Heupel. And so we're going to get into Tennessee after right after a quick break. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back into the Gigum 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Carter Carls. Carter, tough assignment this week, and, you know, A&M's got to move on quick. It was an emotional game against Alabama, and now you head into Knoxville where Tennessee's won 12 straight home games under Josh Heupel, um, dating back to the 2021 season. A&M, obviously, as we mentioned, has lost seven straight road games, dating back to their last one was that Missouri win back in 2021. So a uh, couple things working against A&M. What are some of the things that are kind of top of mind for you heading into this game? Well, I think first, you know, when we entered this season, I think a lot of people felt that A&M was one of the more mysterious, enigmatic, unpredictable teams going into the year. Tennessee is kind of that team in the SEC now. No one knows quite how good they are. They don't know, hey, could they beat a Georgia? Could they beat a Bama? Could they beat A&M? They haven't really played anybody yet. Uh, They lost the game to Florida, obviously. And, you know, Florida is okay, but they're they're nothing special. And so you kind of look at Tennessee and you say, Okay, Joe Milton, we've heard all about him. Uh, we've heard on every broadcast of every Tennessee game they could throw a ball 100 yards. Um, and, you know, what we've heard all about uh, that big arm, but that really hasn't been what they've done this year. You mentioned it. You have some really good numbers, but they've yeah. been a run-heavy offense this year. They've been highly effective uh, in yeah. the ground game, which plays into AM's favor because – AM, it's totally the opposite of last season. Last season, you know, teams didn't even throw against AM. I think, I think among power five teams, they were they had like the third lowest pass attempts attempted against them last season. And so that it kind of skewed the numbers a little bit, but you know, the secondary looked the part. They looked good. But the run defense was terrible. This year, it's the opposite. The run defense has been solid, one of the better ones in the SEC. The pass rush has been phenomenal. 
but that secondary is just a mess. They have no answers and can't cover anybody back there. And so, you know, we saw Jalen Milrow going into the game. It's like, yeah, this guy's not very good or, you know, he's decent, but can he really beat you with his arm? Can he really throw for 300-plus yards? And look what happened. He did it. He he threw for 321 yards. He had the game of his life. He'll be telling his grandkids about it one day. Uh, can Joe Milton do the same? A different quarterback than Jalen Milrow, obviously, but – can he do the same? I think that's the big question. And I don't know. I don't think without Rue McCoy, I don't know if this this passing game is just going to be elite down the field. I think AM, their defense will be in decent shape. I think what I'm more worried about in AM's case is their offense. Um, yep. Let's look at the last two games, right? Second half has been downright atrocious for this offense. Six, I think six points in that full game, the second half versus Arkansas, second half versus Bama. Um, the offensive line has all sorts of problems. It, 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 it kind of picking up where they left off last year and they've been healthy for the most part. You know, it's not like they're yeah. missing a ton of guys like uh, they were at times last year. And so it's just been a real struggle and you're going against a team that ranks number one in the country in sacks per game. And again, Tennessee has not played many good teams, uh, any good teams really. And so, how legit is that? How it's it's, you know, we kind of found out about AM. All this pass rush is super legit after the the Bama game, but with Tennessee, I think we're going to figure out just how legit it is, and whether AM can respond to, you know, it's hard on the road to communicate and to get your signals in and. You know your snap, your your uh, snap cadence. How do you do that? You know, it's handling just pre-snap stuff can be much more difficult. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I'm more focused on the offense, uh, and I think the defense matches up fairly well with uh, with Tennessee's offense. Yeah, the two things that concern me going into this game are obviously turnovers and big plays. And you look at that Arkansas game. AM had that game in control. Pick six coming out of halftime kind of changes the and AM, you know, obviously gets the Chris Russell interception, which which kind of shifts things back in their favor. But that was a big play and 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 huge momentum. You look at the Auburn game, the fumble kind of let Auburn back into the game. You look at this past weekend, turnovers again. Turnovers have been a problem. And AM is um in the negatives right now in, in turnover margin. They haven't they they forced some turnovers against Alabama, but they haven't really forced a ton of turnovers so far this year protecting max johnson's obviously the key and yeah like i mentioned but i was i mentioned this to you before the show that i think i think tennessee's a bit much misunderstood in what people think like tennessee kind of is like you mentioned joe milton with that big arm and you know throwing at 80 yards downfield and and it the ball clearly let, let's not kid ourselves the ball jumps out of his hands you know i watched their game south carolina and the ball jumps out of his hands and and throws a good velocity but he also struggled with decision making he had two interceptions in that game and one came on just kind of misreading a coverage thought it was cover two missed a safety in the middle of the field on cover three and i think honestly the bigger concern is the running game we mentioned it that you know tennessee kind of relies on three guys jalen wright jabari small and dylan sampson and they're averaging 230 yards per game on the ground so this 
this it's to slow down Tennessee. It starts with slowing that running game because they're going to get into tempo and then they're going to get the ball out of uh, Milton's hands quickly. And that's kind of how they want to go, but he struggled on third down. And I think that's probably the Avenue for A&M to win this game is to actually get Tennessee into third and medium and long uh, 41.7% on third down and, and seven to nine um, passing so far this year, 45% on passes longer than 10 plus yards. Um, overall on third down, he's 46.3% completion percentage. So those numbers, if you can get him into third down, I feel like you kind of have a, have a chance. And, you know, you look at the numbers and they rank near the bottom in, in explosive plays and through, through the air. And so, you know, I think everybody kind of thinks about Hendon Hooker and what they did last year, but I think this offense operates a little bit differently. Now, with that said, big plays in the running game, that's been their thing. You know, you look at that first touchdown against South Carolina, it's a draw right up the middle for 30 plus yards for a touchdown. And they have 12 runs of 30 or more yards this year um already so their their explosive runs act their explosive gains actually come through the running game but it comes keeping you off balance the tempo going quickly um and getting you out of position so you know if AM can be good against the run and force this game to and see if joe milton can beat you you know you you you, you forced jill milrow to beat you you had some breakdown in coverages but, you know, force Joe Milton to do the same and take your chances. I think that's your best opportunity yep. to come out with a win. I do have concerns on the defensive side of the ball, on the offensive side of the ball, because you watch this Tennessee defense. They are fast. They fly around. They, you know, they're they're getting to the ball. They're, they, they, they get after the quarterback. Um, so whether A&M can move the ball or the – the question and whether they can get the running game going because I think they need to are kind of the questions I have going into this game. Yeah, you mentioned with uh, Milton, I, I totally agree. Make him prove to you that he can go off. But the one yeah. caveat is you got to adjust. Like if, yeah, if he does start to, to me, go off, it help. Yeah, like with Milrow, you found out fairly early on. Oh, he he's on today. And Jermaine yeah. Burton is having the game he's going to tell his grandkids about uh, one day. I love yeah. saying that. But uh, once that's happened enough, you know, uh, what do they say? that The definition of insanity is doing the same, same, yeah. same thing over again, expecting the same or a different result. Like I just totally butchered that. But you know what I'm saying? And um, that's kind of what happened against uh, Alabama. They not a lot of safety help, didn't replace the barrier, really give them that much help until uh, it was kind of too late. If Milton is on, you got to find some sort of adjustment. Yeah. And this offense, the same way, the second half has been a tough one for them. We mentioned it, but um, it doesn't matter if you go into halftime with a 10-point lead. If you're putting up three points at half, uh, in the second half on the road, that is not uh, – that is less than ideal, ideal obviously. Um, but – yeah, I think early downs is going to be really important for both teams because with with Tennessee, if if they're so dead set on the running game and A and M stuffs it up and they can get them in these third and nine, third and ten situations, you know their pass rush can can come alive on those downs and and uh, their you know DBs can hold long enough to to get a stop. 
but if you're getting these third and threes, third and twos, you know, it's a, a totally different story. Um, and for A&M, uh, haven't run the ball well at all this year. They average 1.9 yards per carry against Bama. They'd only run for less than two yards per carry three other times in the Jimbo era. And it's just been a rough one. I think they found something in Le'Veon Moss. But if your blocking's not good enough up front, that's a problem. And then in the, the passing game, you know, you've really seen these running backs struggle as pass blockers. I'd love to see Max Wright in those situations more. Uh, yep. He's such a great blocker. I think he could really help A&M in those third and long situations. But uh, generally speaking, if A&M can get in those third and shorts more, third and four, third and three, uh, it, it'll it'll help them. Because it felt like there was so many third and longs against Bama where they just had no chance. It, it, the, that pass rush just came right at uh, Max Johnson, and uh, it, it was hard for him to make a lot of plays. Um, you know, he's a mobile guy, but not mobile enough if he's got three guys in his face. So, um, yeah, early downs will be important. And uh, – I think we could totally see A&M winning this game. They just have to adjust and they got to play a clean game on offense. Yeah. Earlier, I think I said Caleb Burton, obviously meant Jermaine Burton, obviously, (laughs) you know, both of them, you know, from, um, but I agree with you on that. Um, I think, I think they have to adjust. They have to get a sense early in the game. Can their secondary hold up against, against this Tennessee offense and, and they're going to get tested. I, I guarantee you after watching last week's game and sitting at home and obviously coming off a bye, Tennessee's going to test A&M early down the field. And so you've got to be able to roll over safety help. You've got to be able to do some things and mix up some coverages maybe to, to give some, to give some help. I agree with you. I think that's going to be kind of one of the big tests. And then, you know, one of the best ways to, because I think I think teams are kind of starting to realize that A and M's, you know, is kind of what they what they are, and and they're you you're going to start seeing teams kind of force A and M to try to beat you through the air, and and you know, kind of load up that box and and force Max Johnson to to beat you, bring pressure, and so you know you've got to find a way to run the ball, and whether it's I I like what you mentioned about Max Wright. Maybe it's getting Ernest Crown over in there before in kind of big situations and then having him as a blocker. Maybe that's what you do to kind of open up some more some more holes. But they've got to be better in that regard. And uh, you know, I'm 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 kind of up in the air on which way. I know we do our predictions on Friday. I'm kind of up in the air which way I'm yeah. I'm gonna go on this because you can see defensively some of the you know the the matchups that maybe work in A and M's favor, but you know this one's going to be tough you're going to have you're going to have to go into a great environment um going to have to stay ahead of schedule a&m has to stay ahead of schedule avoid penalties um especially pre-step penalties and be efficient and you know protect the ball that's one of the biggest things they have not done a good job of that on the road and uh you know you mentioned we mentioned some of those those games last year you know they've got to get off to a good start on the road i feel like they've that's one of the things when you look at where they've struggled on the road, they put themselves in an early hole against South Carolina, put themselves in an early hole against uh, Ole Miss, and then you're just climbing from behind, and then the crowd's into the game, and, you know, it's just kind of like everything snowballs from there. So 
those are a couple of of the things I kind of see as keys. Your your kind of keys to the game to to kind of wrap everything up here. Yeah, uh, number one, being willing to adjust. Uh, yep. Two, having a feel for the game. You know, the, these big time decisions, you got to get them right, or at least you got to get most of them right. But you can't get most of them wrong, and that's what happened against Alabama. Um, I mean, I, I'm with you. They got to start well, but to me, I, I just I want to see them play a complete full game. Mm-hmm. I want to see them. You know, if they lose, because Tennessee's really good, but they played a complete game and they improved in some areas. I mean, I know the loss would be a terrible result. Uh, fans wouldn't like it, but that would encourage you about the team improving as far as playing complete yeah. games. We, we just haven't seen that yet. We've, we've seen two and a half games from Max Johnson. He had a great half against Auburn. Didn't play the whole game there. Arkansas, Alabama, you know, we've talked about it. So playing a complete game. Uh, being clean, I think, you know, not turning it over, uh, at least not a lot, uh, not getting a lot of false start penalties, not getting delayed games, uh, not having to call a timeout because you got 12 guys on the field. You know, just things we've seen from this A&M team on the road over the last couple of years, can't, you can't have that. that, that you can't beat yourself, uh, and that, that's probably the best way to put it. Another key, not beating yourself. Um, and, and then really probably the last one, we haven't talked about it is can a receiver not named Anaya Smith do some damage because Evan Stewart has been banged up, but at the same time, he's Evan Stewart. I mean, I am kind of baffled how underutilized he is in this offense. When you saw him with Connor Wigman, the chemistry was there. You saw it in the Ole Miss OSU game last year. You saw it uh, against Miami, uh, New Mexico, really the beginning of the season. You know, he was getting 10 plus targets a game. He's getting 100 plus yards a, a game with Connor Wigman at quarterback. Connor, Connor, to his credit, he, I mean, he found the dudes. Last year, Moose was the guy who stepped up. He had great chemistry with him. Donovan Green, another one. Uh, I felt like Connor could find those guys. We haven't seen Max do it. It's kind of been Jake Johnson yeah. and the Anias show. Only nine – the receivers accounted for nine catches against Alabama. Evan Stewart had one catch in the final three-and-a-half quarters of that game. And if you're me, like, you almost want to force Evan Stewart the ball. I was gonna, you, watch these, yeah. you watch these other teams like Missouri, and they throw it to Luther Burden like every single play, and I'm just like – Evan Stewart is a top 10, top 15 talent at receiver in the country. He should be getting 10 plus targets a game, four to five deep shots a game. If you got to get him bubble screens and jet sweeps to kind of get him going, do it. But do not go three and a half quarters without really throwing him the ball that much. I just don't understand that. Um, and then you got to kind of have another guy step up, maybe too. I think Moose is a guy where when he's in a featured role, he's awesome. But when it's yeah. limited, it's almost like the pressure gets to him or something because we see him make mistakes. He had the drop against Alabama. He had the penalties against New Mexico. He had the drop against Arkansas last year. Uh, but then we've seen these flashes of greatness. So can, can he be mistake-free and, and be, you know, a guy who can get you 50 or 60 yards? Uh, Noah Thomas has been extremely banged up all season. Uh, 
an injury that's just kind of been nagging for him. Uh, it's been hard for him to make much of an impact the last couple of weeks. And, you know, going into this season, we really talked about how this receiving core, I mean, I thought it was the best in the SEC. Yeah. And they haven't been able to show that just because injuries and your starting quarterback getting hurt, your protection being wrong. So they, they ultimately, they just got to find another option beyond Anias because you can't sustain drives if he's your only legitimate option at receiver. And I, I think to your point, right, Evan Stewart has gone up and shown he can make plays even when plays aren't there. You look at that ball he caught against yeah. Alabama last year between, you know, basically over two defenders. Yep. Like, you, you you find a way to get in the ball, and we're not – we're not going into the the James Franklin like. <laughs> I the ball that too. That's not what we're saying. That's not what we're Do going. Do a deep with post. This. <laughs> a deep post. That's not where we're going with this. But we're, you know, get some jet sweeps, get some bubble screens, just get him involved early, and you know that'll start to open things up for Anaya Smith as well. And and you mentioned you you just see it with Moose when he's when he's in the game and what he's able to do. You look at that kind of that underneath route that he takes for a big game. Mm-hmm. The last game when he's involved early and he's he can he can really help you in these big games and he's he's done it in some big games in the past and so I I, I agree with you I just think you need to get your guys you, you know feed the studs you need to get you need to get you f- need to find a way to get Evan Stewart involved early you need to find a way to get Moose involved early and everything will kind of flow off of that if you've got to have a defense thinking about those guys uh, everything will kind of flow off that so. Definitely a big one, and we will be here to break it down next week as AM heads into a bye week, a much needed bye week, to be honest, heading coming out of this Tennessee game. And so, you know, I think final thoughts if AM is heading into the bye week at five and two, they're in pretty good spot. You know, I know there's some mm-hmm. disappointment about the Alabama and the Miami game. Four and three, you start to get into maybe some 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 a lot of pressure in the second half of the year. So Going to be an interesting week. Two thirty kickoff on two thirty Central Time kickoff on CBS. And again, we will be back to break it down. If you um, thanks again for following along. If you're following these videos, be sure to like and share the videos and subscribe on the YouTube channel and Spotify and iTunes to get notifications every time a new video drops. Until then, enjoy the game, everybody, and we will see you guys soon. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.